We've been studying God's Word together on inner wholeness. We started this about two Sundays ago, and we're going to continue it this morning as we talk about inner wholeness. I just want to quickly review what we did two Sundays ago, and then we're going to continue from where we stopped. We said this, that who you are on the inside is very important. Who you are in your inner man is who you really are. Amen? And that's your real identity, who you are on the inside. We said that's very important. And in our first message in the series, we, we talked about the importance of rebuilding our self-image, of learning to look at ourselves the way God sees us. Many times our self-image is determined, unfortunately, by others' opinions about us, by the experiences we've gone through, by our achievements, our accomplishments, and so on and so forth. But the challenge is for us to have a true self-image that's based on the Word of God. God's Word is like the mirror. Amen? When you look at the Word, you're looking at your true self. That's your true identity. And you and I need to think about ourselves the way God has declared us to be. What God declares about us in His Word. We need to have that kind of a self-image. So, just to quickly recap what we did in the very first Sunday on this. We talked about... The fact that God wants us to be whole, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that God wants us to be whole in spirit, soul, and body. The soul talks about the suke, the, the soul part of us. And uh, 3 John 1.2 says that you, you know, I want you to prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. So our prosperity in other areas, our, even our being in health, is connected to the well-being of our soul, of our inner person. It affects us in several other areas. Um, just to quickly review this, we talked about, you know, how God heals us on the inside. There are two areas, two things that really hurt us on the inside. It could be the sin that we do, uh, our wrongdoing, living in the flesh that cripples our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. It could be lies and deceptions that we believe, wrong thoughts, wrong mindsets that we adapt or adopt and, and begin to live by. And they affect us in our inner person. But God administers healing in our lives by three main ways. One is through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus took our punishment so that we could be made whole. We talked about the, the Word of God, how God's Word brings wholeness to us, and the work of the Holy Spirit, how God's Holy Spirit heals us on the inside. And essentially, in the first part of our message, we said it's important for us to believe that we are who God says we are. Philemon 1.6 tells us, acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. Acknowledge every good thing that is in you. Amen? See, in the natural, you may not have a whole lot of good things going for you. You may not be the, like the way you look. You may not like, you know, your failures or whatever. And all kinds of things, opinions that people have, things that people say about you. In the natural, you may not have a whole lot of good things about you. But the Bible tells us, acknowledge every good thing that you have in Christ. In Christ, you've got a lot of good things. Amen? In the spirit, you've got a lot of good things. Acknowledge that. Recognize that as a fact. Live out of that. I just want to say this little, give us reminders with this little story, and then we'll get into today's message. You know, in the 12th chapter of Numbers, God spoke to Moses, and he said, Moses, you know, I've brought you to the edge of the land of promise. You've got the river Jordan across. I want you to choose 12 spies, send them out into the promised land. Let them survey the land and then come back, give you a report of the land, and then, you know, get ready to cross over and take this land that I've assigned for your life. So Moses picks out the leaders from each one of those tribes. You know the story. He sends these 12 leaders into the, the promised land to search it out. 
They spend 40 days there and they come back. Now, 10 of the spies come back and say, you know, it's the land exactly the way God told us it is. It is very fruitful. It's flowing with milk and honey, so to speak. But the problem is there are giants in the land. And we look like grasshoppers before those giants. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back. They went to the same land. They saw the same giants. And they said, you know, the land just the way God said it. And there are giants in the land. And that's great because God's with us and they are bread for us. Ready to be eaten. Let's go. And see, here's a matter of perspective. How you see things. Ten of the spies saw the giants and said, we are like grasshoppers. That was their image of themselves. Two of the spies saw the giants and said, man, they're too big for us to miss. We got to get them. And God said, he's with us. Let's go. Amen. So when you look at things from who God is in you and who you are in God, things look a lot different. And that's the challenge. That's what we want to inspire each one of us to do. In life, rebuild your self-image based on who God says you are and what God can do in you and through you in spite of your past, in spite of people's opinions, in spite of your present situation. Amen. Live out of who you are in God and what God can do in and through you. This morning, I want to talk about another area of inner wholeness. We want to talk about uprooting issues. Uprooting issues. What do we mean by issues? It means this. It means we're talking about roots of wrong attitudes and behavior that each one of us may have, which need to be uprooted out of our lives, right? Roots. Meaning these are now resident inside of us. They are part of us. Part of our soul, our thinking, our emotions. Roots of wrong attitudes or behavior that are part of us. Which need to be uprooted. Now, when I say roots, you know, all of us have these occasional misgivings or wrong things. You know, occasionally you lose, you lose your temper. Occasionally this thing that happens. We're not talking about the occasional things that happen. We're talking about something that's a consistent pattern of behavior. A consistent thing. It's part of you. We're talking about those roots of wrong attitudes and wrong behavior that God wants to deal with. Amen? Now here's what I believe. You know, I believe this, there's nothing wrong if a person is physically sick. There is nothing wrong in going to a doctor, getting medical help and being healed over a period of time. Maybe there's a couple of days or, or over a period of time. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But we also believe in a God who can heal us in a moment, physically. Is that right? God can step in. If a person is sick, carrying some sort of condition in their body, God can heal that person in a moment of time. Similarly, if, if somebody's struggling on the inside emotionally, there's nothing wrong in getting professional help, whether it's uh, Christian counseling or some uh, partial counseling, something to help you readjust and recover emotionally. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I also do believe that our God is the one who restores our soul. Amen? I also do believe that God, in a moment of time, can touch into the realm of our soul and heal those hurts and those wounds. In a moment of time, He can reach into the depths of our soul and uproot those issues. And make us whole. Do you believe that? Amen? So there's nothing wrong in getting help over a period of time to recover emotionally and mentally and all of that. There's nothing wrong with that. God uses people to do that. But what we want to push into this, this morning is come to a place and just come before God and say, God, I recognize there are roots of issues, that roots of wrong attitudes and behavior that need to be uprooted in my life. And I believe you can do it supernaturally by the work of your spirit. You can take it out of my soul. And make me completely whole. Amen? Are you ready to do that? 
Okay? We want to push in to that. So this morning, I want to just address a couple of issues, a couple of things that might be common to many of us. And then we're going to get in a time of prayer and allow God to minister to us. Now, I don't want to say this, that, you know, although we ministered this morning and we say, okay, God, take these roots out, we still have to guard our soul from the wrong kinds of seeds coming in. Amen? So tomorrow, you still have to guard your soul. Day after tomorrow, you still have to guard your soul. Amen? Just as you take care of your body. You know, you don't go to the doctor once in a lifetime. No, you take care of your body and you make sure you eat well, you rest well, etc., etc., to try to keep your body in good health. In the same way, in the soul realm, we must guard our mind, gird up the loins of your mind, protect your mind, garrison your mind, renew your mind, guard your soul realm so that in the days to come, if there be any wrong seeds that tend to be sown inside your soul, you're, you're protecting your soul, and if the seeds come and you say, God, help me to take this out before they take roots and spring up in my life, right? But this morning, as we get into prayer a little while from now, we're going to ask God to take out the roots of wrong attitudes and behavior in our lives. Now, let's talk about some of these issues. What could be some wrong attitudes and uh, issues of behavior, roots of behavior that we need to deal with? Now, several years ago, we de- or maybe it was last year, I forget, we talked about the four areas where we needed to lay the axe to the roots, right? And we have this little book out there that talks about laying the axe to the roots. We talked about four areas. I want to repeat those four areas. One is the realm of self. If there's a root of self, that's a root that needs to be taken out. And unfortunately, in the church, in the house of God, among believers, if we are not careful, we allow this root to grow and spring up and affect us. Self. What is self? It's mean like I put myself, everything has to do with what pleases me, what feels good to me. Self-centeredness, selfish ambition, selfish motivation, self-promotion. These are all manifestations of a root of self. If in your interactions with your spouse, if in your interactions in the workplace, if you're in your interactions with your friends or colleagues, if self becomes very dominant, it's going to have a bad influence, devastating influence on your relationships. Do we all agree? If a person is just saying, you know, I will do it if it's going to benefit me, I will do it if it's going to do good for me. If self becomes so important, it's going to have a wrong effect. Now, here's what the scriptures tell us in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So the Word of God is bringing us to a place where it says, you know, don't look out just for yourself. Look out for the others. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. How is it going to benefit you? Don't live like that. A root of self. How about jealousy? Jealousy is another root of character. Jealousy always wants to make you outdo the other person. You want to do better than him. Now, there is nothing wrong with good competition. I mean, if you're going to run a race, you don't go there and say, you know, you can win. It's okay. I'm not jealous of you. I mean, come on. You know, you don't do that. When you're going to run a race, you're going to say, you know, you do your best. Now, I'm going to put my best and I hope I can win. That's not jealous. This is competing rights. You know, I know I heard about our all people's church football team. I just was telling me about it, you know. I know, I'm sure our guys don't go to the football field and say, no, we're from all people's church. We only pray. <laughs> we're going to stand here and pray and you should. I don't think they do that. I think they do a little bit of pushing and shoving. I will tell us all about it. Okay. The point is there is this place for healthy competition. 
But jealousy is not that. Jealousy is something that says, you know, I want to outdo that person. I want to be better than that person. And jealousy can, can lead us into all kinds of wrong behavior, wrong thinking, wrong action. Think of King Saul. He was so jealous of David, he wanted to kill David. Jealousy motivated him to do that. And if you aren't careful, these roots of jealousy begin to take, spring up in our lives and begin to affect a lot of our attitudes and a lot of our behavior. Now here's the thing what the Bible says in James 3, 14 through 16. It says this, it says, If you have bitter envy or jealousy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. I mean, don't cover it up. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't boast against the truth. Face up with it. Open up and say, yes, acknowledge there is jealousy and there is selfish ambition. Verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, it's sensual. And notice it says it is demonic. For where envy, jealousy, and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Here are the two deadly twins, jealousy and self, self-seeking. The moment these twins come into any situation, along with them come confusion and every evil. And sad to say, you find it even in churches, even in the house of God. You allow jealousy and self-seeking come into the house of God behind those two twins. First-time visitors, you know. The day these two twins come in as first-time visitors and you welcome them in, you can be sure from that day onwards, there's going to be confusion and every evil work in that house. So we got to guard ourselves against jealousy and selfish ambition. Amen? Guard yourself against it. Because it opens the door to confusion and every evil work. All kinds of evil things gain access because of these two twins Jealousy and self-seeking. What about pride? Pride is, makes us think that, you know, I know everything. I know better than you. I'm better than you. Pride causes us to look down on people. Pride makes us unteachable. Pride causes us to justify our actions without wanting to listen to correct feedback and say, look, you need to make a change. You need to correct yourself. Pride can bring us into all kinds of places that are very, very dangerous. And in fact, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, that pride brings us into the same condemnation as the devil. What does it mean? It means that when I walk in pride, I'm going to have the same treatment that Satan had. What did he have? He got banished from the presence of God. Pride dismisses us from God's presence. You're listening? It's a very dangerous route to have in our lives. When we walk in pride, we come into the same condemnation of the devil. Now, what does the Bible tell us in Romans 12, 16? It says, be of the same mind of one to another. Do not set your mind on high things or lofty things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't be wise in your own opinion, thinking like, you know, I know it all. Who can tell me I'm wrong? Who can correct me? Who can speak into my life? No. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't be so closed, thinking that you're always right. It's a dangerous place to be. What about lust? It's another root that needs to be dealt with. A root of wrong attitude. Lust is any uncontrolled desire. A desire that now controls you. You don't have control over it. And we all have our natural appetites, our natural affections. God gave them to us. But if the moment those natural affections begin to dominate us and control us, then we are in the realm of, rust, of lust. And lust not only has to do with uh, appetites and affections, but also has to do with, could be things like lust for money or power or influence or other addictive behaviors. And God calls us to a place where in Romans 13 and verse 14, He says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Or bitterness. 
Think about bitterness, the root of bitterness. Sometimes, and all of us, not I'm so all of us go through experiences in life that could really make us bitter. Bitter about life, bitter about people, bitter about God sometimes. We go through those experiences that make us bitter. Why did this happen to me? It could make you bitter. But if you will guard yourself against this root of bitterness, then you're positioning yourself in a place where God's grace can work through you. But if you allow bitterness to take roots, the Bible says you fall short of the grace of God. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the verse 15. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. He says, be careful. Don't fall short of the grace of God. Don't allow any root of bitterness to spring up in you. And it affects you and it affects others, defiles others. So when you're going through life, you could become bitter about things. You know, things didn't go well the way you thought. And you could become bitter about others, about sometimes you put yourself. And the worst is you become bitter about God. Why did God allow me, allow this to happen to me? Why isn't God doing anything about it? And you become bitter and angry towards God. The Bible says, listen. If you get into that place, you're falling short of the grace of God. You're in a place where even God's grace can't help. Bitterness. A root of bitterness. Now, all of us have opportunity to become bitter in life. Circumstances, situations, what people do to us. But you and I need to guard ourselves from those seeds of bitterness taking root in our hearts and minds. Anger could be another root that needs to be dealt with. And we all get angry. And there's a place for godly anger. You need to be angry about certain things that will provoke you into action. Amen? Amen? You're all awake? So you need to be angry about certain things, godly angry, so that provokes you to action, says, look, I need to do something about this. I'm angry about this, that this shouldn't be the way it is, and I need to change it. Of course, that there's a place for godly anger, and you need to channel it right and do something about it. But if there is anger controls you, and you're not able to control it, and not gain mastery of your own spirit in difficult situations, then there is a problem. And we need to deal with the root of anger. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, Brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In our anger, we tend to do things that are not right before God. A couple of other things I just want to mention before we get into prayer this morning. Think about being rebellious, having disrespect for authority. And if God has placed different authorities in our lives, as children, our parents are authority. You go to school, you have your teacher, whether you like her or not, she's still your authority. And then you, you know, you get your driver's license, you start driving, you still have authority. You know, you may have the need for speed. Some of us know what it is, but you may have the need for speed, but it still doesn't give you the license to violate governmental authority. Romans the 13th chapter, verses 1 and 2 says this, that, you know, respect those that will be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So even on the road, there's authority. You've got to respect the traffic. And there are other, there's authority of the government that's been put in place. You submit to it. Whether they're right or wrong, you submit to the authority. So long as they're not causing you to violate the law of God. And there are other authorities placed in our lives. In the house of God, there are pastors who set their spiritual authority. Um, and God calls us in all of these to submit to the authorities placed in our lives. In order to demonstrate our submission to Him. Amen? 
But a root of rebellion says, no, I don't want to listen to authority. I don't need to submit. And the strangest thing, I don't know whether I'm right or wrong, but it seems like with every passing generation, it just increases. Maybe it's all those video games that we make, you know. It's, like it's all about shooting and killing, and so it kind of gets ingrained into the, the mind that let's be rebellious or whatever. But the point is this. We need to come to a place where God deals with that root of rebellion in our lives. And I just use this as an example when I talk in the Bible college. You know, I'm a pastor in this church. I'm authority here. But when I go to another church, if I'm invited as a guest speaker in some other church, I have to submit myself to the authority in that church, to that pastor. If that pastor tells me stand, I stand. If he tells me sit, I sit. I can't tell him I'm also a pastor. No. I submit to the authority in that house. Amen? We teach our Bible college students that. You've got to submit to the authority God's placed in that house. You may be a pastor. You may be a spiritual authority in your place, in your jurisdiction. But when you step into somebody else's jurisdiction, you submit to that authority in that place. Amen? So all of us need it. I'm not exempt from uh, guarding myself against rebellion. I'm not exempt from saying, you know, I'm authority, so I can do whatever. No. There are places where I have to walk in submission. Amen? We need to guard ourselves against this. Or being critical. Critical of others. Critical of everything in life. Or being pessimistic. You know, God did promise that our cups would overflow. But the reality is not all of cups are overflowing. They're probably half full, three quarter. And the problem is when people get upset about the quarter that's not full. Or the half that's still empty. And they keep complaining about the half that is empty. Instead of celebrating the half that is full. Amen? Did I lose you all? You're looking at me strange. Cup half full. <laughs> Celebrate. Be happy about the half you do have. Amen? Instead of complaining about the half that's still not there. Amen? Do we all understand? All right. So, you know, sometimes we just end up being so pessimistic, so sad and mad about the part that's missing that's not full. That's a root that needs to be dealt with. Other, other things like depression or lack of joy or insecurities or a desire for control. All these things, roots. And there are a lot of things that we've not talked about this morning. How do these things take root? Well, they can come through past experiences. Experiences in life can cause wrong seeds to be sown into our soulless person. And then these begin to take roots. It can come through wrong mindsets, wrong thoughts, wrong ideas that we, be, we embrace. And they cause these uh, these uh, wrong attitudes, wrong behaviors to begin to take root in our lives, or some of them could also be demonic. Some of these roots could be demonic. We've gained given access to unclean spirits, ungodly spirits. Certain areas of our soulish realm, they begin to dominate, begin to influence, and we need to deal with that. So this morning, we're going to pray. How many of you don't mind God doing a little bit of surgery this morning? Amen? I believe all of us need some roots to be dealt with in our lives, and so we're going to allow God to do that. Here's what I want us to do as we take, go into a time of prayer and receive wholeness. It's important for us, first of all, to recognize that there is a problem. If we deny and say, look, I'm fine, then God, we're not giving God an opportunity to deal with us. But we must recognize, you know, God, I know there are issues in my life. I know that there are roots of wrong attitudes and behavior that need to be taken out of my life. I need you to deal with it. Recognize the problem. And second, Recognize the standard and truth of God's Word. Understand that we are here to live by the Word of God. And God's Word calls us to this high standard. You know, if there is jealousy, God's Word says love is not jealous. If there is pride, God's Word says love is not boastful. So we are called to walk in love. We are called to walk at that standard. So recognize that we are not where we are supposed to be. But God has asked us or 
commanded us to live in. And third, as we get into prayer this morning, I want us to renounce the effect of past experiences or wrong mindsets or any demonic influence that have come into our lives. Renounce it and say, I renounce the effect of this wrong experience. I renounce the effect of these thoughts that I had once believed, these lies. Maybe you were sitting around with your friends and talking to them and they were having a conversation going forth and they were saying all kinds of wrong things, but you just embrace those thoughts. Now those thoughts are planted so deeply in your mind and they're affecting your attitude and behavior. So you need to renounce those thoughts and say, no, I renounce those lies. I renounce those thoughts that I once embraced. I renounce any access that you've given to unclean spirits in your life. Especially in the areas of your emotions and your appetites. If you've not guarded them and you've gained access to unclean spirits, they're now controlling and influencing that area of your mind and your emotion. You say, I renounce any association with those unclean spirits. And instead, I, cons- I just bring myself under the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was shed for your spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Not just your spirit, but he bought you completely, spirit, soul, and body. So you bring everything, every part of you being under the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. It means now every part of you belongs to him. Satan has no access to any part of you. And then consecrate yourself. Let's consecrate ourselves to God and say, God, I consecrate my mind, my thoughts, my affections. These things of my life are consecrated to God. If there are people here, you know, you've been suffering with lust. and uh, Your sexual appetites are now, I've been so dominated by lust. What you need to do is renounce every association with unclean spirits, with ungodly spirits. And say, I'm bringing my sexual affections under the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. This has been redeemed for God, to God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm saying, get it out by the roots. Amen? There's no point in being trimmed here and there because it's going to come back. But you need to take it out by the roots, Lord. Take out these things by the roots. Deal with it by the roots so I can be free and I'll keep myself free thereafter. Finally, guard your mind when tomorrow comes, the day after tomorrow comes. Renew your mind to the Word of God. Embrace the truth of, the God, of God's Word so that you protect yourself in that area of your life. Amen? For example, maybe this morning you deal and allow God to deal with you. Let's say for the issue of pride. But tomorrow maybe you, you'll have another opportunity for seeds of pride to come in. So you need to guard yourself tomorrow. Amen? Day after tomorrow, you need to guard yourself. Don't allow those seeds of pride or lust or jealousy or anger, whatever it may be, whatever that issue is, don't allow those seeds to come in again into your life. Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to love God? To say, God, I want to be whole, spirit, soul, and body. I want you to deal with my complete person. Amen? And here I am, Lord, waiting for the Holy Spirit to work in me. And as you face things in the days to come, Guard yourself. I can assure you, wrong seeds will come your way. There will be situations, people, circumstances. Sometimes even the devil wants to sow the wrong seeds into your mind. But you guard yourself. So I give no access to these things. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.